Merry Christmas to all the cinephiles out there. Welcome to another episode of the Marquee Spotlight, coming to you from the always sunny Portland, Oregon. I'm your host, Spencer Bailey, and I'm here with my co-host. She's about to finish up her 30-year run of being on the naughty list, Chelsea Burnett. You always give me so much more credit or make me sound so much cooler than I am in real life in those intros. Thank you, Spencer. Ho, ho, ho. Oh. <laughs> All right. Well, that's the spotlight topic of this episode. Christmas movies. We're going to be talking about some of our favorite Christmas movies. Of course we are, because it's that time of year. Uh, I always plow through Christmas movies. You know, we're getting closer. I'm sure you do, too. Oh, yeah. I actually think I've been taking in more Christmas content through movies than I have been music. I normally am like all about Christmas music, like day of Thanksgiving even if I can sneak it in before Thanksgiving, I'll listen. But I don't know. I've just, uh, I, I'm, I'm so, I've been a little derelict in my uh, ho- uh, Halloween holiday <laughs> uh, music uh, listening. But I, I've been watching a lot of Christmas content. Same here. And we're excited to talk about that. Uh, but first, we're going to do something different. We're not going to do any news. Uh, the first chunk of this episode, we want to talk about uh, some of the current movies that are out. It's the best time of year for movies. This is always when the, the, the big ones come out, the whatever's going to be up for all the Oscars and whatnot. This is the time of year for that. So um, it's easier than ever to play catch up with the dual theaters uh, streaming options we have. Um, also, thanks to my, my membership at the Hollywood Theater, Seeing some of these movies mm-hmm. is is much more affordable and easier to see. So we are going to start this episode off by talking about some of the big name movies, give you our thoughts real quick, not full reviews, but also because we want to give people time to see some of these movies if you haven't already. Some you've missed your chance, but we're going to talk about them anyway. Yeah, yeah. And I think um, it's great you already mentioned that we've got the options of going to theaters, but also same day release on streaming. And the first movie we wanted to talk about is one of those that we were able to see at home because HBO Max dropped it. um, And that movie is King Richard. Yeah, this is one of the ones we both got a chance to watch. Um, And and this is what I'm talking about. Like, I love this. Like, I would not have rushed out to the theater to see this movie. Like I, I, I probably would have, so I could have discussed Will Smith's performance. Um, but being able to just take a Saturday afternoon to watch this movie at home, especially because it's it's not a short movie, uh, so I was able to like kind of do some stuff around the house while I was on, like so convenient. Yeah, you know, um, it it gave me the same kind of feels as the types of movies that I remember, like if it was just kind of a lazy Saturday, as you said, or Sunday, and my mom would like look at me and my sister and say like, do you guys want to go to the movies today? And we just kind of see what was playing. And if we were to see, you know, the next Will Smith movie feel, you know, feel good sports film was out, we probably would have gone to see, see it and would have had a great time at the movies. Because that is what I would say about this movie. It's just the right amount of inspirational Without, I would say, being too corny or over the top about it, I think uh, there are some extremely uh, dramatic moments. Like I'll mention the drive-by shooting that he witnesses. Uh, it was it was took, not expecting. It that. knocked me back, and actually, I had a real, real visceral reaction to that. Yeah, um, you know, it's funny. Like when I first heard about this movie, I so. I, I, 
I'm at the right age that like I vividly remember <laughs> the Williams sisters story as it happened. Mm. Uh, I remember them being in the news. I remember, you know, their first appearances in professional matches. And uh, I remember all of that. So when you kind of live through a story, uh, you get a little less excited about the, the biopic when it comes out. That being said, uh, I thought it was a pretty pleasant watch. Um, definitely Will Smith's best performance in a long time. And I know coming out of the, the movie festivals and stuff, that's what you heard. Like, this might get Will Smith an Oscar finally. I don't know about that. He's very, very good in the movie. I, I think the one thing that might not get him that award is there's just certain scenes. There's just certain scenes where he gives you that look and you're like, that's ah, Will Smith. Mm-hmm. There, there's Will. Um, but for a great deal of this movie, he, he is totally lost in the character. Um, and totally. uh, he really does a great job. Yeah. And all that's being said for those few moments that slip in where you see the Will Smith charm, it really did seem like it was a stretch for him to play this kind of grating Richard Williams character who makes it pisses off a lot of people, but, um, sure. but I guess perhaps I don't, I'm not as familiar with the real man, but for him to have been able to make all those things happen for his daughters, he had to have had something charming about him, something that endeared people to him or his oh, family. Yeah. I, I think the movie's trying to get us to see a lot of people just believed in Venus and Serena. And so they put up with Richard just because they wanted to see those girls succeed. But, uh, I, I, I think having that innate Will Smith charm was necessary for audiences to really care about Richard Williams and um, and his story. But I really liked seeing Will Smith playing someone kind of annoying like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the best part of the movie is that I, I really was afraid that they were going to over-romanticize Richard Williams. I, I really was. Because I everybody does remember him as being kind of like the guy who was like, this is kind of about me too, not just my daughters, and would get annoyed with reporters asking his daughter certain questions, but it's like, hey man, you put your kids in front of the camera, you know, like you're part of this. So they really, the movie did a really good job of rounding him out as a person and show that he really did love, He does. He, he's still alive, he loves his family. He really does love his family. He cares about these kids, but he is flawed. He is a little self-centered. Um, they bring up many of his flaws, like stuff that happens prior to the events of the movie. Mm, yeah, they did not shy away from that, which I give I give uh, Venus and Serena, who are producers, a lot of credit yes. for being honest about who their father is. 100%. Also, before this movie, I couldn't believe it. I didn't realize that Richard's originally from Shreveport, Louisiana, my hometown. And uh, <laughs> the only time it gets brought up in the movie, it's not flattering. And yeah. it's like, that's... That's my hometown. All right. Uh, but overall, it, it it's a little long, but Will Smith is good. The actress who plays his wife, who I've never seen before, Anjanu Ellis, she is fucking awesome. And like, I kind of- Thank kinda, you for bringing her up. Yeah. I kind of want to campaign for her to win Best Supporting Actress because she is so good in this movie. Whoa. Does she get, like, she says so much with her, just her face. Like, just the expressions she makes is, uh, she's a powerhouse. Really, really- was I was so excited to see be introduced to her in this yeah. movie. No, she's great. John Bernthal, really, really good in <laughs> yeah. this movie too. It's it's a very enjoyable movie, especially for as long as it is. As long as it is, is Will Smith going to win Best I, um, Actor? I don't know. And to be perfectly honest with you, 
I'm so sick of people finally getting an Oscar for playing a real person. I, I just, I, I don't understand. We've talked about this on the show before. I don't know why, like, to me, Denzel Washington winning for something like Training Day, a character that he basically developed himself is so much more impressive than, like, Meryl Streep doing a three-hour impression of Maggie Thatcher. I, I don't know. You always go so hard on Meryl Streep. She's Somebody always needs the go-to. To. <laughs> Somebody needs to. Nobody does. <laughs> I do agree with you, though, that it, uh, handing out awards for very, imp- very skilled impressions of real people is starting to get a little old. Yes. Yeah. Full disclosure, Meryl Streep, very talented actress. I just want people to tone it down a bit. <laughs> anyway, so King Richard, it'll be back on HBO Max before you know it. Check it out. Uh, next, I just want to touch real quickly on Last Night in Soho. Um, got to see that. Really enjoyed it. I typically enjoy... I'm not a massive Edgar Wright fan, but I, you know, 99% of his movies I really, really enjoy. The only one I just thought was okay was uh, The World's End. But, of course, his first two films, Shaun of the Dead, Hot Fuzz, hilarious. I love Scott Pilgrim, and I get disappointed because i show people scott pilgrim and nobody else likes it and it's so good it's so many subtle one-liners and jokes it's just so entertaining so much fun so funny love baby driver um baby driver is an absolute blast last night in soho kind of the same vibe good use of music mm-hmm. to form the world around what you're watching uh not really any funny parts which is the first time edgar wright's done that it's 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 a scary movie Filled with a really amazing actors. Is it because uh, I, as we were discussing before we started recording, I still haven't seen Shaun of the Dead, even though you let me borrow it. But that that movie is dealing more in like a horror comedy realm. Is that right? Or, oh, it's a yeah, yeah it's full blown comedy. Okay, yeah. so but are the horror elements scary? Like no. <laughs> so this was this was kind of a stretch for him to move more in this 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 more thriller or scary route. Yeah, I mean. It's not scary in the sense of like I was scared. It's just creepy. It's creepy. a creepy story. But by the way, um, Thomas and McKenzie, who is in Jojo Rabbit, she's awesome. Yeah, I uh, wanted to ask you about her because I, I I really love her. She's so endearing, and I'm looking forward to seeing her and a lot of other stuff. Um, and then opposite of her, you have Anya Taylor-Joy, who we've talked about off yeah. the air, but I don't know if I brought it up. I can't decide what I feel about her. I, I thought she was really good in Queen's Gambit, but everything else I see her in, I'm just like, I can't tell if you're a really good actress or not or if you just have a really interesting look. Because that's the thing. There's shots in the movie where there's just a red light on her and zooming in on her, and she has this really interesting look and can look at the camera a certain way, and that works. But I don't know. Like, even in, we're getting a little off topic, but even like in Thoroughbreds, I thought she gets completely outshone by by the other actress in that in that film. So, but she's the hottest thing in the world right now. So yeah, more power she really to her. Is. She she was very blessed to be born with that striking face, and it 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 does take her far. I'm not saying that she's not more than her face, but yeah, I the the hype around her. I I'm curious if she'll live up to it. But I, for me, like what I really the two performances of hers that I remember really liking is her in Split the James McAvoy movie and um oh god no did I get that right is that called split yeah is that the split. one about yeah. where I'm not he, yes thank you oh and uh the witch which I still don't think you've seen right I haven't okay. I keep I every time I want to watch it it's not anywhere and then I'm like oh it's back I'll watch that soon maybe Netflix it, will get it off. soon Netflix oh. <laughs> gets it, yeah. so next up you watched Spencer 
I did. Maybe the greatest titled movie of all time. And it could also, you know. That was a joke. That was a joke that did not Stepped land. Stepped on your joke again. I, a little backstory on this. I, over the summer, you said, there's something about this new Kristen Stewart movie that, uh, you know, I, it's it's really intriguing to me, but I can't quite put my finger on it. And I completely missed the joke entirely. Couldn't have been more obvious. Yes. The movie is called Spencer. Ah, your name is Spencer. But yes, uh, I I actually think that this could, I mean, we're going to get into later in the episode what we uh, classify as a Christmas movie or not, but this is a movie that takes place at Christmas time. So uh, it, it was kind of getting me, it was like killing two birds with one stone, getting me in the Christmas movie mindset as well as watching an Oscar contender. Um, what I'm going to say about this, so directed by Pablo Lorraine, it's, sir, it's very art house. Um, Kristen Stewart is, I, I see why she was cast if, well, it took me actually watching the movie to better understand when I first found out, I didn't really see a, a physical resemblance to Diana, um, right off the bat, but she is embodying, um, like a spirit with all of the anxiety and tension and, just depression that I think Diana must have been facing in light of all the public scrutiny that her marriage was under to Prince uh, Charles. I I think that Kristen Stewart has this innate nervous sort of um, twitchiness uh, to her acting that I actually thought worked very very well for this portrayal. Her her accent work I've heard is getting some... uh, uh, I don't know, causing some stir or controversy. I don't know if everyone is on board with it. I went and actually listened to an, an interview with the real Princess Diana just so I could maybe better understand the choice she made there. And there is like a um, a quietness, like a almost speaking in a whisper sort of shyness to a very young Diana that I watched in an interview that I think that she was trying to maybe tap into there. But this is all getting a, a bit nitpicky if you're trying to get into her accent. I didn't think it was distracting at all or anything. I think it was it was stylized and it was done for a purpose to match a overall kind of very like horror feeling film. It, That's uh, what I was going to yeah. ask you about. Everything I'm hearing about this movie is this is not a biopic. This is not a what did Diana go through during tumultuous times. This is a halfway fictional account uh turn into a thriller yes yes and um i think you do have to if if you're going into this movie thinking you're wanting to see a biopic about uh princess diana you're going to be disappointed or thrown off balance by it (laughs) um but if you just roll with it um i i do think it's 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 worth a watch i think that there are some really uh, f- some really cool artistic choices being made and um, not only through the costuming and, and the sets, but uh, just some some really cool camera work uh, that worked that I, I clicked into. And as the last thing I would like to say about it is I think the, the moments that were the strongest and I think really showcased um, Kristen Stewart's acting abilities were when and why I think she is 
getting so much buzz for this and could possibly win Best Actress, we'll see, uh, is when she's interacting with other people. There are long stretches of the film where it's very internal. And um, uh, I was kind of craving her to have a full conversation with someone. And she, there's a moment where she's interacting with her you know, with the, with Prince Charles, her husband. And I, I would say that was kind of the first thing that really gave me those kind of goosebumps feelings of like this, this person is the real deal. Um, Sally Hawkins also plays like a confidant of hers in the, in the film. And I always enjoy seeing her, you know, I think the last big thing she was probably in was either the Paddington 2 or uh, Shape of Water, whichever one came out more recently. But uh, she's always a delight to see. And I, I really enjoyed her presence in the movie too. So um, bottom line, yes, Kristen Stewart is deserving of all the buzz that she's getting for it. I think uh, it was a really, uh, uh, it was a really cool stretch for her, but also tapped into, I think, her strengths, what I'm saying with like the twitchiness. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'll definitely get around to it. There's just so many movies out right now, and I've heard a lot of information about that movie, so I haven't, I haven't gotten to it just yet, but I will, especially before Oscar season mm -hmm. for sure. And this one was I, I've heard, I've heard a little bit about this next one we're going to talk about, but, um, but I would love to hear you got to go to the theaters to see this and uh, tell me more about your experience seeing Belfast. Uh, Belfast is lovely. It was so lovely. I this is a movie I went and just saw by myself. I love Kenneth Branagh. I I think he is just really criminally underrated director actor. Um, he's put out so much really quality content, but it's not big budget stuff, so he doesn't get as much attention as he probably should. I lovely is I mean that's the only word that keeps coming to mind when I think of Belfast. I really enjoyed it. It reminded me of Jojo Rabbit in that. It's a movie centered around a really endearing little boy just going through his everyday life in a historical European tragic time where the the tragic stuff's going on in the background, but it's not weighing down the movie. It's actually a very charming movie filled with Van Morrison music, who I, I love Van Morrison. If you don't know, Belfast is a semi-autobiographical film about Kenneth Branagh being a young boy in Belfast, as the troubles were really starting to ramp up, uh, how his family dealt with the those issues, um, and then what they ultimately decided to do as a family. Um, the young boy, Jude Hill, I, I don't think he's really been in anything. He's fantastic. Uh, very talented uh, child actor. Uh, but the most striking person to me was the mother, played by a... I hope, I'm, I hope I say her name correctly. Catriona Balf. I've never seen her anything. but From the Outlander. Yeah, okay. The, the, the first time she's on camera, I is just I, you're just very struck by her. She just has a really... She just looks like a movie star. Um, she was she, a model. She, she was... Uh, oh, she's yeah, gorgeous. Yeah, before she turned to acting. But she does a very good job in the movie. And then the, she plays his mother. And then the father is played by Jamie Dornan from... Fifty Shades of Grey and everything. Um, another strikingly attractive <laughs> person. But um, and then the grandparents are played by Judy Dench, who what do I need to say about Judy Dench? And then Sierra and Hines, who you probably know from Game of Thrones. Uh it's not a long movie, it's like an hour and a half, uh, but gets the point across. And, and like I said, even with this really terrible thing in the background, you just leave with a really good feeling. It's a very meaningful movie, very powerful movie. 
but a very, very endearing movie. And it's going to be up for Best Picture. Brand is going to be up for Best Director. I don't know if they're going to win, but I, I highly recommend if you've got a free hour and a half, just watch Belfast. I, I really enjoyable. So it gives you the warm and fuzzies sort of feeling of, of the Oscar contenders right now. It's probably oh, the, for the sure. warm and, warmest and fuzziest. Absolutely. Okay. I, yeah, without a doubt. I love Van Morrison. Van Morrison always makes me think of summertime, like cookouts and listening to Van Morrison music. So I'm already sold. There you go. Um, yeah, good movie. You gave up great quantities of your free time to watch this exceptionally long Beatles documentary <laughs> that dropped on Disney Plus. Um, yeah. Please tell us about it. Yeah, Peter Jackson's epic documentary. I mean, would it be Peter Jackson if he wasn't doing something on an epic scale? So uh, coming from, you know, Lord of the Rings. But um, I, I, I'm going to be very upfront about this, that I am kind of embarrassed how little I know about the Beatles or like their entire discography. We had that like Beatle, that red uh, album the Beatles number one with like the yellow one that just had like the number one hits uh, that we played a lot in the car growing up on road trips but that's probably as far as my Beatles I remember that went. album came out it was like a resurgence for yeah. for them because like I always heard of the Beatles but that number one album came out and it was like everybody was talking about the Beatles again yeah okay well that's cool that you remember it too so I guess there there was a reason why that stands out so much to me if they were having sort of a, a resurgence at the time I if, to me for some reason I always felt like the Beatles could have never gone away but I was just always the one that was so uncool and didn't really know much else besides just their their biggest hits but I, I think kind of in that way, like coming into seeing Get Back, the documentary series um, or three-part documentary film, uh, having going in somewhat blind into who these men were made it kind of more it, like the most enjoyable experience I could have had because I feel like I was seeing these men in a whole new light. Like it wasn't just now I'm hearing about what Ringo was like or Paul or John or George through another source or reading about another person's impression of them. I was getting to take in the type of men that they were at this stage in their life um, and form my own opinions about them. And I had a lot of fun with that. And I, um, I really liked being like steeped in this month of time because the, the documentary is put together with footage uh, that was um, that they were capturing in preparation for a TV special, um, this was right before their uh, "Let It Be" album uh, was dropped, and and the 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 documentary ends with their rooftop performance that they were filming. Some of the songs that they record on the rooftop ended up on the "Let It Be" album. Actually, I was so surprised to hear that, even with all the outside noise that possibly could have tainted, you know, uh, a live recording, but. Uh, I it 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 kind of is a sucker punch at the end. Peter Jackson puts this uh, this note up on the screen as like the last chord is struck. This was the last live performance the Beatles ever made together, and you're like, "Damn, okay, the end of uh, of this uh, the end of this." Uh, I don't know, powerful reign in uh, pop and rock. Well, music. To be fair, they stopped touring years before that uh, so there's actually their first live performance in a long time mm. 
And then if I, I have to go back and look, because I remember they recorded Let It Be and shelved it because they weren't happy with it. And then they recorded Abbey Road and put Abbey Road out. And then a producer went back, pulled the Let It Be tapes and added like orchestral pieces and things like that. And they were much happier with it. And then they released it as their last album because you, I think you can get Let It Be naked mm. and it's the original recordings without all the added stuff. I like the Beatles. I mean, you know, I, I like the Beatles. I listen to them sometimes. I'm not a huge Beatles fan and I I appreciate that their impact on music. I even in college, I, there was a history of the Beatles class. It was like two credits. I'm like, I'll take this. This will be fun. Um, That's I love college <laughs> and stuff like that. <laughs> we... uh we started the first episode all together on Thanksgiving at, mm-hmm. at your in-laws and we got about halfway through and I was like, yo, there's another hour and a half of them just sitting in a room. And that's just part one. I know. And I'm just like, I, if you want to finish this, you'd be my guest, but this is not, this is not for me. I, you know, um, I, I think if coming at it from a standpoint of seeing how uh, a song is crafted, that was, that was really educational for me. Really cool. I, I, I don't really have much of a creative bone in my body at all so I'm in awe of musicians because of that and to see their process was was really fun for me um it like I said again I just really liked kind of the way Peter Jackson assembled this you can tell it was done with a lot of love and care uh, maybe he loved the subject so much as which is why he couldn't cut back a little bit on the the footage and why it's like eight hours long in total but um so maybe it could have used a little little more uh, editing at times well, but um, uh, it was supposed to be shorter and then covid paused it and he realized he had all this extra footage and he's like i i need to find a way to just but yeah also it's kind of like screw it it's the beatles yeah. give people what they want they want to be with two of these men have died and let's just reunite them in this kind of ghostly fashion that um was uh i i think it really worked for me and coming at it like I'm speaking as just a, uh, as you know, just kind of a basic fan of the Beatles and I'm, I'm leaving after watching it, you know, having a whole new appreciation for them, which I, I think is probably what Peter Jackson wanted. I, I heard, I listened to an interview with him and I, I wanted to highlight this. He said that what he found in, in reviewing the footage is he learned so much more about the four men in the band seeing how they dealt with conflict than in happy times. And he thinks that's when you actually really see a person for who they truly are is when they're, when they're really struggling with something. And you can tell like the first part of the film is really, there's, there's a lot of tension between the guys, especially between George and, um, and Paul. And um, I, I like to see, and I think this is what Peter Jackson was trying to highlight. I like seeing um, you get to get to kind of see maybe the real side of them all and and how they dealt with that and the the deep deep as whatever bullshit they were dealing with and struggle because of uh, a from a business and personal all those factors in terms of being one of the biggest bands in the world. You can tell there's a deep love and brotherhood between them all. So I. I recommend it. If you have the time to sink into it, please do it. Even if you just have it on the background, totally do it. Nice. Well, oh, and ne- if I, oh, I guess I should say, I don't know. I'd be curious to see how they make this work for the Oscars. I remember when that, um, it has to be that, in theaters. Okay. They did, well, they did it with OJ made in America. Like that was eight hours and they put it in theaters. Yeah. 
that that's what it reminded me of. I was going to say that OJ Made in America, but okay. um, but yeah. Well, next up. Oh, I'm so excited. We're to hear doing your a thoughts movie. On this. I got to see, and Chelsea didn't. Join me as I take you to the land of Italy to tell you a story about fashion and betrayal. I saw House of Gucci. Listen, everybody, don't believe the critics. This movie is delightful. Lacey and I saw it in theaters. We had so much fun. We were cracking up. This movie is self-aware. It knows how ridiculous it is. It is a blast. I had had so much fun watching this movie. Jared Leto is just an absolute... I mean, I don't even know what word to say. This a maestro. F- this maestro, <laughs> this phenom that guides you through the movie, uh, through laughter. Uh, dude, uh, this, oh, I can't even, like, I don't even know what to say. Like, such a well-made movie. Ridley Scott, why did we doubt him? It's ridiculous. It absolutely is. But any critic who went and saw this and thought it was taking itself seriously, I, I don't understand how you could misconstrue that. Lady Gaga's ridiculous, but she's great. Like, she's been in two movies now, and she's really good in both of them. Mm-hmm. Adam Driver, probably the best acting job in the movie. Jer- <laughs> Jared Leto. I I don't even... Just go see it. Just go see it, because Jared Leto is going to make you... It's the funniest performance in years. Pacino's great. Jeremy Irons is good. He's barely in it, though. I will say, everybody's talking about the accent problems. Jeremy Irons is the most problematic. He just sounds English. <laughs> The story's interesting. Like, I didn't know anything about this, like, what happened. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a pretty interesting story. Uh, it's long. Flow's pretty good. It's very entertaining. I think the ending kind of... And the movie was already two hours and 40 minutes. It ends at the trial and just kind of gets to the point with the trial. But uh, I don't know how else he could have ended. It kind of just abruptly stops. But you couldn't have a three-hour-plus movie about, <laughs> about these people. <laughs> I, I cannot recommend it enough. It, it's really fun. You should you should see it for sure. I will I will make a total effort to at least if I can't make it to the theaters as soon as it's available to to rent. Uh, maybe it already is. So I got I better get on it. I need to look into this because I really missed the boat. But I'm glad you had so much fun at the movies watching. So it. much fun. And then the next, yeah, you're gonna have to you gotta. You got to fill me in. I heard, you built up. You had some thoughts about about this next movie, and I, I. But you've been keeping them to yourself. I got to know. I got to know, Spencer. Lay it on me. What's what do you think about? Come on, come on. Oh, what do I think about? Come on, come on. Um, very charming, sweet movie. I'm not going to take that away from it. Um, a bit pretentious. Uh, quite a bit of the movie felt like what an affluent, shallow person thinks deep is. Um, it was just little choices, like right off the bat. Why was it in black and white? It, it just seemed so arbitrary. It didn't add anything to like Belfast was in black and white. It made sense. The movie starts in color. It comes over a wall and it says 1960 and you're in black and white and it's all in the past. Come on, come on, being in black and white, it added nothing to the movie. Absolutely nothing. It just seemed like somebody being like, I'm going to be deep and make this movie black and white. One of the, I remember I was reading people's thoughts about it after I saw it, because like maybe it wasn't just me, but I, I was reading some Reddit comments, and one person said this, and I thought, that is perfect. They said, it's a bit aimless and repetitive. Yes, it's definitely aimless and repetitive. Yeah, like 
he loses in the movie. It's a mild spoiler. He loses the kid twice. Like when it happened the second time, I'm like, didn't we already do this? Oh, no. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I, I, I just, I didn't hate it. The acting's solid. I just don't really understand what the point of it was. And I think we talked about this off the air. I'm growing a little tired of movies. Like, like I watched, I was watching marriage story recently. And I think I said this to you. I'm getting a little tired of movies made by people uh, who are like, hey, I, I wrote this story. It's a real story about real people. It's something that happens to real people. Okay, tell me about that. Well, she's in L.A. and she's an actress, but her husband's from New York and he's a, a stage director. And they're going through this long-distance divorce. Like, these are not real people. Like, these are yuppies. And, and most of us can't identify with these people. And this felt the same way. You got a brother who travels around for this cool radio show, but he lives in Manhattan. Sister lives in Los Angeles. She's dealing with something with her ex-husband who lives in Oakland. His nephew gets pawned off on him. And what pissed me off the most about that is throughout this movie, Joaquin Phoenix as his character is interviewing real people. Like they're not actors. He's going to different cities. And I will say the last little chunk of the movie is in New Orleans, which I really enjoyed. And he's talking to young people. What do you think the future is going to be like for you? These are not actors. These are young mm. people giving the real answers. So you're putting real people in the movie, but it's not the center of the movie. It has nothing to do with the plot of the movie. And the plot of the movie, you're giving me more like people that have cool jobs and live in expensive places. I can't identify with any of these people. Um, I, I don't know. It was okay. I, I, I'm sure it strikes some people. I just didn't think it was, I thought it was a little shallow and pretentious. The kid, um, Woody Norman, uh, they hit the jackpot with that kid. <laughs> he is probably going to be in other stuff. But that being said, he does and says certain things in the movie. And I'm like, this kid doesn't exist. It, it, it's too perfect. Like it, it just, yeah. It just, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the mother played by Gabby Hoffman who uh, was a child actor. She was in... A very uh, good child actor. Yeah, Field of oh. Dreams, man. Um, Uncle Buck. Uncle Buck. She was an Uncle Buck, too. Played Macaulay Culkin's sister. Uh, she's good in it. Joaquin Phoenix is is always good. Yeah, I don't know. I, I The movie got really hyped up by people whose opinion that I respect, and I was just walked out really let down and disappointed. I, that's a really fair point you made about... Um, quote unquote, when we're watching a movie about real people, but their their lives seem a little unattainable. I sometimes think a writer has to, you know, ch choose interesting careers or settings for their characters to live in to propel a story along. And it sounds like in this case, the the larger story that he wanted to say about this this radio producer, the, these these little vignettes with these interviews that happened throughout the movie, the only way he could make it happen was by giving Joaquin Phoenix the career he had. But right. I, um, but yeah, it's it's like a kind of a tool, a mechanism they need for that kind of storytelling, and it can be if it's employed well, like in like a Nancy Myers movie or something. It it, it, it you can kind of treat it as this is sort of fantasy. Um, but uh, I yeah, I, I that's a fair point. I I want to see the movie. I saw Twentieth Century Women, which Mike Mills also directed, and I I really liked that. And um, I hope I hope you can seek it out sometime if you haven't yet. <laughs> I heard it's a good movie. Yeah, I mean, there's some other finer details that I don't want to. I'm not let people see the movie. 
Uh, we could talk off air, but I'll, I'll kind of explain a little more. But it's it's not bad. Like it's fine. It'll probably be up for some Oscars. Um, but yeah, that's my thoughts on it. So uh, last movie. I saw you had planned on seeing prior to this episode, but you know, life gets in the <laughs> way failed. sometimes, but I, I saw it. I actually saw it in theaters, even though it's available on Netflix, the power of the dog. Uh, really glad I saw this in theaters. I did go to the historic Hollywood theater. The wide sweeping landscape shots are so stunning. It's stunning mm. in this movie. I'm so glad I saw it in, in, in a theater shot in New Zealand. Right. But it takes place in it's Montana? Supposed, supposed to be Montana. And I remember this, the way the hills kind of look. I'm like, I don't think this is Montana. It is New Zealand. It's gorgeous, though. Uh, just excellent movie. It is one of those movies, though, that it's really, really good. And I, I see why it's being talked about as the front runner for Best Picture. But do I need to see it again? I don't know. I'm going to watch it again before the Oscars, but I have a hunch it's going to lose a little something the second time. I'm not going to give anything away, especially you haven't seen it, but maybe somebody listening hasn't seen it and you definitely should watch it. Beautifully shot, deep, deep characters with excellent acting performances by Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, Kirsten Dunst, and um, her son is played by Cody Smith McPhee, who has been in uh, Let Me In and uh, he was the the son in The Road. Those are the only things I've seen him in that I that I can think of. Everybody's really good. I, I wish we could talk a little more about some of the finer details. You hadn't seen it yet, but uh, a lot of themes of complex identities amongst everyone. Um, I really like that until the movie ends, you're not really sure where it's going. And then when it gets you there, you're like, holy shit. I don't know. I don't know what to say without giving anything away. It's an, it's an outstanding movie. Don't be shocked if it wins Best Picture. Don't be shocked if Jane Campion wins Best Director. Don't be shocked if Benedict Cumberbatch win, wins Best Actor. Don't be shocked if Jesse Plemons wins Best Supporting or or Cody uh, Cody McPhee. Like, okay, yeah. So you think that maybe Will Smith's biggest competition right now of the movies you've seen would be Benedict Cumberbatch in that probably best actor race of what I've seen? Probably. Like, I could see Joaquin being nominated just because they kind of nominate him for everything now. <laughs> I. I same with big picture category, same with best actress. I want to see who everyone's nominated and and we'll we'll obviously do an Oscars episode. But until I see all the nominees like laid out, I, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Right now though, I think it's going to Smith or Cumberbatch. All right. This just popped in my head because uh I listened to that Ridley Scott interview with Mark Marin and uh he it's kind of all it's these so things com- combined now that we've talked about House of Gucci and wa- talking about Joaquin Phoenix, but uh, I heard Mark Maron talk to Ridley Scott about this Napoleon film that he's making with Joaquin Phoenix. And I am, yeah. I, I'm so intrigued, but yeah. What do you think about that? I don't know. Ridley is, I mean, he's one of the greatest directors of all time. He's made like three of the greatest films in movie history. Then he's made some good films and he's made some not great films. And the last time he tried to do, a big, huge biopic like that. It was 1492 about Christopher Columbus starring Gerard Depardieu, and it is slandered quite heavily <laughs> throughout the years. But he loves it. He loves it. That yeah. was the best part of the interview. Yeah. Every time Mark would bring up one of his movies, he'd be like, oh, that's a great movie. 
<laughs> but he, but God, does he love Joaquin Phoenix? I think he says he thinks he's like the best working actor at the moment. But uh, and this would be a neat, a neat uh, reunion for them since Gladiator. And I think he got a great performance out of Joaquin have Phoenix they not, in Gladiator. Has, has Joaquin not been in a Scott movie since then? I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm blanking. Yeah. But, he he um, makes so many movies. Yeah. It's just hard to keep up with. Um, speaking of Mark Marin, he also just interviewed Benedict Cumberbatch, and that was a really good conversation and they get kind of into a heated discussion about Cumberbatch's character and disagree on some things. It's it's kind of a fun listen. Cool. I'll watch Power of the Dog finally and then I'll I'll seek that out. Well that's everything we've seen. There's some stuff out or coming out that we're really excited about. Um we missed an opportunity to see an early screening of Licorice Pizza. We had other plans, but uh Dynasty Licorice Pizza uh although I have very complex thoughts about PTA and we'll we'll do a PTA episode someday. Super pumped about the tragedy of Macbeth. I love Shakespeare. I love Macbeth and I love Denzel. Nightmare Alley. Yeah. I'm sure we're going to go see that soon because I think it's about to come out. It's actually going to be showing at Hollywood so we could all go. Oh, I might that... be able to get you guys free passes. Oh, thank you. Please do. And as we mentioned on the last episode, I, I've really been avoiding MCU movies just flat out because I'm just bored and burnt out with them. But I read all the spoilers about the new Spider-Man movie. I, I can't believe they pulled off some of the stuff they did. Very ambitious. I might have to cave and go see it. Okay. All right. All right. Well, we're going to take a short little break, and then we'll be right back to talk about Christmas movies. Merry Christmas, everyone. Won't you come curl up by the fire and join us as we talk about some of our favorite Christmas movies? Chelsea, do you have like criteria? Because I feel like everybody's got a different criteria for why they think something is a Christmas movie versus isn't. Yeah, so I guess most obvious, it it does take place around Christmas time. But I think there, I think the movie has to have at least. A couple Christmas songs uh, that play throughout it. And uh, for me personally, I think uh, uh, what makes a standout Christmas movie is uh, if it's a movie that kind of just reiterates or reminds you what the spirit of Christmas is all about. And whether it be just spending time with loved ones or uh, reflecting on the the year coming to a close and and um just uh yeah that's kind of where i come down on it what about for you yeah i think it's gotta it's just gotta give me the vibe right <laughs> that vibe uh i i rewatched a lot of christmas movies to get ready for this and there were some that i thought i was gonna pick and then after i watched it i was just like the vibe is just not there and sometimes that's because we watched it as kids and you have those nostalgia but you're right. Like, I think Christmas has to be prominent in the movie. And even just like, if there's some movies that are like Christmas is only like a third of the movie, and that's just not enough. And there's got to be representation through music and things like that. So I don't know. I'm pretty picky. I got to get the right Christmas season vibes from watching the movie. I also kind of think about is it a movie I could have playing while I'm decorating the Christmas tree? And it, so it doesn't necessarily require my full undivided attention, but it's like getting me in the spirit and it's making the Christmas tree decoration that much more enjoyable. 
Well said. Well said. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean. You got to have, you can have it on in the background and it's still giving you the vibe. That's like a great pick. And we each pick five, no particular order. They're not ranked, but we each pick five movies we wanted to talk about. So we did leave, leave some big name ones yeah, off, off the list. But You might be pissing off a few people. I well, don't know. start your own podcast. Uh, so that being said, let's just go for it. Chelsea, do you want to go first? What's, what's your first movie? Sure. Um, this, this movie, uh, I, I, I watched the VHS tape a lot. I, I, I have memories of even just watching it by myself as a weird little kid, just, just soaking in what I love to call. I mean, as a kid, I wouldn't ever refer to it this way, but now as an adult, I refer to it as the sexy miracle on 34th Street. <laughs> um, it is the the 90s uh, miracle on 34th Street starring Richard Attenborough and Elizabeth Perkins. Now, I did rewatch this movie recently. I, it, I know it's not going to be a universal favor for everyone. And there's a lot of points to be made for why the original from the 40s is more of the standout. But... This just tapped into something for me. Uh, I I think there's even some Kenny G on the soundtrack. Uh, <laughs> that's why I refer to it as the sexy miracle on 34th Street. Uh, Dylan McDermott playing the uh, love interest to Elizabeth Perkins. There, I, I find their chemistry to be really uh, palpable and fun. And uh, she's always pushing him away, and he wants more. Richard Attenborough. It could be argued maybe he's not chubby enough to to be a holly jolly Santa, but he certainly captures a real lovable spirit about Santa Claus. And there's some some of my favorite parts in the film um, are when he is working as the Kohl's department store Santa and is interacting with the children. And I can't believe myself i'm forgetting the actress's name uh who plays the little girl mara wilson thank you so much uh mara wilson mara i think yeah is how i think is how she pronounces it but she what a streak she was on from mrs doubtfire to this to then matilda like one of the cutest freaking kids ever she and she's a doll in this movie like almost a literal doll in terms of the costuming too um it's I, I'm just going to, yeah, I, I, I told myself I was going to be good and quippy and quick about these, but uh, I'll, I'll just say it is it is shot beautifully. It's just got this um, lovely glow about the uh, every scene, and uh, uh, Elizabeth Perkins is my total, like, makeup and style goals, and yeah, it, it, is, my, it is my sexy miracle on 34th Street forever and ever, and... Uh, that's uh, why it made my top five. It just, uh, it, it just made me, I, I loved it as a kid and I'll, I'll always love it for that reason. I, I watched it for the first time to get ready for this. I remember when it was, was out when I was a kid, uh, I've seen most of the original one, but that always came on when I was a kid. But when you're a kid, those little black and white movies, you're like, this is boring. Um, <laughs> thank you. Yes. Yeah. But, uh, I watched it. I was pretty blown away by the cast. Like every scene, another, Another famous person popped up. Obviously, Mara Wilson. Um, you said Richard Attenborough, Elizabeth Perkins, Dylan McDermott, J.T. Walsh, who's a yes. super underrated actor that we lost too soon. James Remar, uh, Robert Pr- Prasky is the judge, and then uh, Daphne from Frasier. Uh-huh. All in this movie. I didn't think it was as bad as people always talk about it. Like I had a good time watching it. Um, I guess I always just kind of assumed that he really was Santa Claus, but 
I really like that watching the movie, I was able to just realize that this might just be a crazy old person. And that was really a lot of, <laughs> made a lot of fun for me. Um, it was enjoyable. I thought it moved smoothly. It's silly, but it's supposed to be silly. Uh, the ending is completely absurd. Uh, just, I mean, completely absurd. <laughs> I know. All it takes is a Christmas card to uh, warm a judge's heart. Totally, like it's that's what Christmas movies are about. It can be absurd. It, does it give you the warm fuzzies, and that's all that matters. Mm. What's what's one of yours? Okay, everybody, I know what you're thinking. I know you listen to the show, or you know me personally, and you're like, he's gonna pick Batman Returns. Oh, because you think you all know me. Well, you're goddamn right. I'm picking Batman Returns. And this was one of the movies I saw for the very first time last year when I decorated my Christmas tree. I saw this in theater, which is so funny because it came out in the summer. Like, I remember it being summertime. Actually, I, so I remember, I so I saw the original one in theaters when I was a kid. My parents took me, obsessed, got all Batman toys for Christmas, got it on VHS, wore it out, all the thing. Here comes the sequel. I'm super excited. I'll never forget one of my favorite movie theater memories was we knew the new one was coming. And we went to the movie theater to see something else. And I just, my mom was getting popcorn and I looked across the lobby and I just saw the teaser poster and there were no words on the poster. It was just the Batman logo with the snow and frost hitting it. And then all the, you know, the legal, the casting stuff on the bottom, but no title, no nothing else. And I just walked up to the poster and stared at it and I could not wait for it to come out. And we went with like my mom and my grandma and it's hyper violent and disgusting. And I just remember really enjoying it, but looking at my mom and my grandma wincing through the whole thing. Oh. Uh, Tim Burton is so good at giving Christmas vibes. He's got like multiple mm -hmm. movies where there's just good Christmas vibes. And I know it's a Batman movie, but Christmas is super prominent throughout this entire film. The movie starts with a, a, a past scene set in the past, decked out Christmas giant town square Christmas tree throughout the entire movie, mm -hmm. a Christmas party at the end of the movie. The movie ends. The last line is Merry Christmas, Alfred and goodwill towards men. It's, it's a Christmas movie. Yeah. But it does a really good, like, um, is it like the, the dichotomy of winter time and the, the literal darkness of winter? And then with, you know, the flip side of that coin, this holly jolly time of year. Yes. Um, uh, but, I could talk all day about it being a Batman movie, but just the Christmas elements. Um, it, it, even, you know, Danny Elfman, he does a good way of using, like, choirs to give you that that kind of vibe. Like, you know, he doesn't say Edward Scissorhands and stuff. His music is, it just, I don't know, it gives you that creepy Christmas vibe, even though there's, it's not a Christmas song. I don't know how to explain it. If you know, you know. Mm -hmm. No, I... Uh... I'm I'm catching your drift yeah. <laughs> completely. But almost every scene in this movie, there's a Christmas tree or there's decorations. It's a Christmas movie. It's a blast. It's so much. I watched it the other day. Danny DeVito might be one of the top 10 most perfect castings of all time. Yeah. I don't know. True. Oh, Danny DeVito. What a, what a, what a treasure in that movie. Well, that's my first pick. Deal with it. <laughs> I'll allow it. Well, what's your next one? Um... Let's talk about Just Friends. Uh, it is oh leaving Netflix soon, people. So just, you know, mark your calendar. Has not aged well, let me tell you. Uh, yeah, certain parts of it have not aged well. But what has aged well, sweet, sweet Anna Ferris. God, I love her I in love that Anna movie. Ferris. And um, I, I uh, 
Chris Pratt, you fool. Why, why didn't you make it work with her? But uh, Just Friends tells the story of uh, a Ryan Reynolds' character who, yeah, here we go. Cue the fat jokes. He had to wear a fat suit uh, for, for part of the film because he's in love with his best friend, played by Amy Smart. Also, another very, like, natural actor, someone who just comes across as being very naturally funny and, and she fell off the face of the earth. I know, it's such a shame because I I just rewatched Rat Race and she's in that too and I love her. Any moment she's on screen, I'm I'm gripped uh to it and I I'm she's just I think is very delightful. So uh Ryan Reynolds, Amy Smart play best friends. He uh you know, was chubby, awkward, tries to confess his love for her. It kind of goes wrong. He gets embarrassed. He has a chip on his shoulder. Moves across the country, uh, be- gets involved in the music industry, loses a bunch of weight, gets a six pack. Then once uh, through, uh, you know, some twists and turns of comedic effect, uh, he and and Anna Ferris, who's playing a pop star, kind of in the style of like a more... I guess, uh, 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 what's the Christina word? Christina Aguilera, like but a can't Christ- sing. Yeah, like a, like a, can't a, sing good though. Yeah. Like a dirtier Britney Spears, I guess. Um, they, they land, uh, in, in New Jersey where Ryan Reynolds is from and they have to, uh, and it's Chris, it's a, the day before Chris, two days before Christmas, I think. That's why I'm calling this a Christmas movie. Uh, and hijinks that was a word I was trying to think of when I said twist and turns but uh the the movie is full of hijinks but I think the overarching story because it then you know we're we're following his name's Chris in the movie Ryan Reynolds Chris is uh trying to woo his old crush his old best friend Amy Smart's character Jamie Jamie Palomino um he he's you know trying to prove that he's not the the dorky guy he was when they were friends it kind of backfires on him but uh why i think of this movie as being a christmas movie besides the obvious and it taking place at christmas time is i do think that the quote-unquote spirit of christmas is at work here and just in terms of how it kind of makes you reprioritize your life and uh understand why you care about the people that you do and um it uh yeah if you want some some kind of some real like kind of uh maybe more like adult themed chuckles in your christmas movie uh i i would go for just friends i'll, I'll always rewatch this movie around the holidays it, it's a fun movie it's definitely a christmas movie and though again it came out in the summer i actually saw this in theaters um with with a former partner we were the only two people in the theater <laughs> <laughs> no way really yeah yeah deceptively funny movie uh, first of all I know most people feel, and I agree, Ryan Reynolds' shtick, uh, he's been doing it a long time. Well, this is like still the early days. Early days, yeah. Funny. He hadn't played it out yet. Anna Ferris is hilarious. Um, uh, Chris Klein also <gasps> fell off the face of the earth. Yeah. It's, he's like the funniest he's ever dusty been. Dusty Lee. The, Simply Dusty. <laughs> it is definitely an amusing movie. Uh, definitely very Christmassy. And I, to what you're saying, I mean, it's Christmas all the time, but it's got that theme of, you know, he's living in L.A., but he comes back home for Christmas. And it's family, your old his old friends, the married couple. Mm-hmm. His mom, yeah. that actress, I should have written her name down. Anytime I see her in something, 
she's she, a mom. She's she's a mom, but I like what they do with her character in this. They give her a little bit yeah. more to do, and she can flex her comedic muscle sure. a little bit more. Yeah, it's an enjoyable movie. Has not aged well. There's definitely some some language. Yeah, <laughs> they drop some hard f's. Yes, uh, in the in there. But uh, if you can look past that, realize it came out in like 2004, and just enjoy the very much the rest time. of the movie. Uh, one of those ones you could throw on in the background for sure. All right. All right. Next up, I'm throwing you a curveball. I picked the Always Sunny in Philadelphia Christmas special. <laughs> it's it's an auto regular episode. It's a special and it's extended. It counts. Okay. If you'd have picked the original Grinch, which is only 26 minutes, I'd allowed it. Of course. Same thing. I love It's Always Sunny. Who doesn't? Mm-hmm. It's like one of my favorite shows. It's hilarious. <laughs> and this is super Christmassy. And I like that it's like goes into everyone's individual Christmas, even though it's all really dark and hilarious, but what Christmas means to them and what Christmas is like in their family dynamics, which again, all dark, mm-hmm. but that's what you come to expect of the show. I love that they also kind of poke fun at other famous Christmas tropes. You had putting Frank through the his own Christmas carol, <laughs> you know, past, present, future, and then he hallucinates thinking he's in one of the old claymation <laughs> cartoons and stuff. Um, but in the end, what happens? It's just the friends getting together to do their normal traditions. The gang. The gang to get past the bad stuff. And I love how it goes back to Charlie and Mac as kids, you know, when the episode ends. Uh if you don't love the show, maybe you don't like it, but it definitely gives me the Christmas fuzzies. No, that's cool. I was I was bummed I didn't have a chance to rewatch it before we recorded, but I'll You've make seen it, it happen. Before, I have seen it before, but many years ago. Um, but uh, I'm familiar with all the characters. I have I have there's, seen a lot of that there's episodes, no forgetting. So yeah. There's no getting the metal image of Danny DeVito, naked Danny DeVito, naked sweaty Danny DeVito, <laughs> crawling out of that leather couch. Second Dan- Danny DeVito pick for you in this. Uh, He's done other Christmas movies. I didn't pick any of them, but he's got like two other ones. I think not think about it. Wow, I didn't realize that. Uh, But yeah, it's still on Hulu. Uh, If you're a fan of the show and for some reason I've never seen the Christmas special, it's hilarious. It's so goddamn funny. I cannot recommend it enough. Okay. Um, I'll go. All right. So my next two picks that I'm going to talk about have been movies that I've watched just this year putting up my Christmas tree. Um, And... Uh, the first uh, we'll touch on uh, was uh, the Jim Carrey Grinch, the one directed by Ron Howard. So I would say that my husband, Micah, his love of this movie really rubbed off on me. I I had, I liked it for sure. All right. Uh, But his enthusiasm for it and uh, wanting to uh, watch it every year has definitely, you know, made me appreciate it and love it so much more. And the the memification of Baby Grinch also, if <laughs> if you're not aware, you got you got to seek it out. Baby Grinch is life. Um, but I, you know, my last rewatch of this, it I my heart was really warmed by it because I think. Gotta love Blu-ray special features. I got to hear a little bit more about the process, like Ron Howard and his his stunt coordinator and um, some of the other actors that he hired. Like the 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 work that they put into how can we turn the Who's into 
people like that you recognize and understand, but still keep their like susical who spirit about them. And I think they really like made some magic happen there. Like you, uh, the movie, for some reason, this movie, a lot of people seem to hate it. I don't really know why, but yeah, you know, well, yeah. you know, I was a little too old when it, when it came out, I, I just, I wasn't like a, you know, I don't know. I wasn't a kid. I didn't run to the theater to see Christmas movies anymore. So I didn't see it for a long time, but yeah, no, I remember like the reviews were bad and people didn't like it. I think there's a couple of reasons. The original, the cartoon, so beloved. Um, not only is it beloved, but again, it's 26 minutes and now you're giving people like an hour, 45 minute movie about the Grinch. Um, it, the first time you see it was when it came out, it's, pretty jarring because it looks terrifying <laughs> like, yeah. it's a terrifying world that, that they created uh, yeah i don't know i think there were just a lot of added elements that people didn't know how to take but uh it's one of those movies that through the years um it's enduring it, yeah it's yeah it is and it's kind of built this cult following and that cult following has gotten bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger i mean jim carrey's he's yeah. like top level jim carrey in this movie oh it's hilarious. he is the he has some great one-liners maybe not quite as good as the last movie i'm going to talk about because they're those are those are some that are gonna you know always have a number one spot in my heart but uh still it this movie really 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 just makes me laugh when i want to laugh it gives you the warm and fuzzies that you want at times too and it gave us you know that where are you christmas by faith hill that played all the time on my soft rock radio station. I feel like I woke up to that song every day around the holidays. I used to have my little like Sony dream machine alarm set to that, that radio station. And so I feel like I was waking up to that corny faith Hill Christmas song every morning, but I, I'm not hating on it. It was great. So, uh, the Jim Carrey Grinch, um, that's my, my pick. Right. And see, this is a perfect example of, this is a personal pick for you. I mean, you've got personal reasons and people might be questioning this pick well that's it doesn't have to matter to them it matters to you and that's why it's interesting uh it, it's an enjoyable movie it's definitely the whole thing's not i don't know it, it could have been shortened a little bit it it's interesting because it doesn't feel like a ron howard movie he did a really great job of certain camera shots and the way he'd swing the camera at an mm -hmm. odd angle to make it feel very cartoony um which is you know not what he normally does, but it's a well-made movie. It's just, it's a little odd. I, funny enough, it is the first 4K film that we own. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and right. it looks great in 4K, gotta say. Great. Uh, okay, my next pick is 1983 film, Trading Places. I love Trading Places. I, I, don't, I don't know who doesn't like this movie. It's always funny. Uh, and it's kind of a combo. Like I don't watch it every year, but the years I do watch it, I try to watch it on Christmas day because you get the Christmas vibes. And then, you know, the last third of the movie is new year's, but if you've never seen it, the movie is about Eddie Murphy is a down on his luck guy. And then is it in, it's in New York, isn't it? I, you know what? I've never seen this movie, and I wanted to watch it, but I saw that it wasn't on one Chelsea, of the streaming this is, platforms that this is like a, I subscribe to. This is like a felony. To. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, I know. But <laughs> so I, I don't know. It could be Chicago, could be New York. Yeah, I'm not sure, I, I don't know but. why. The, I think it's New York, uh, but it could be Chicago though. So Eddie Murphy's down on his luck guy. He he 
pretends to be a panel. I mean, he is panhandling, but he pretends to be a wounded veteran at the beginning of the movie. Dan Aykroyd's a very well-to-do uh, gentleman who works at a high-level commodities brokerage uh, firm. Uh, he's their big shining star, up-and-coming guy. It's run by two brothers, the Duke brothers, played by Ralph Bellamy and Don Amici. Uh, Don Amici, especially, is an acting legend. And they make a bet with each other that one of the brothers thinks that it's all you're all everyone's a product of their environment, and the other one disagrees. It's how you're born. So they orchestrate a way to get Dan Aykroyd ousted from the brokerage firm and really ruin his life and then build up Eddie Murphy's character and bring him onto the firm to make, see if he can be successful. They make this happen. And then a bunch of other stuff happens. I, I mean, I don't know. Movie's super old. I mean, Eddie Murphy and Dan Aykroyd find out what happened end up teaming up in a really cool way. Uh, in addition to that, you also have, Smoking hot young Jamie Lee Curtis. Okay, I th I thought Jamie Lee Curtis might have been. In this oh, one. she's in it all right. Uh, she is she is something else in this movie. Uh, this movie is just so much. It's so much fun. It's always funny. It's been out since 1983. I laugh every single time I see this movie. It's hilarious. A uh, mm -hmm. lot of Christmas. Two thirds of the movie heavily Christmas themed, and then the last third of it is is New Year's. Uh, I cannot recommend this movie enough. It's a classic. Awesome. I, I I know. Shame on me for never seeing it. It's always been up there as like one of those great 80s comedies that I missed out on. But. You should watch it this year on Christmas Day. Okay. Definitely. Okay. All right. Cool. What you got next? Um, I got a Christmas story. See, I, I'll let you go. I, I almost put this on and then I didn't. I'm glad you picked it. Yeah. So... And your point was fair. Like, if, if I can speak for you, I remember you, you you told me, like, you know, I got burnt out on this after all the movie marathons that would play on TV. And totally get that. I, I always somehow miss those movie marathons. So I would really only watch this, like, one time a year. So maybe well, that's why I'm not so burnt out on it. And then um, I missed it last year. I didn't get to have my annual viewing of it for whatever reason. So... I was really ready to go to watch it this year as we were finishing up with our Christmas decorating. Um, wow, does this movie like hold up in terms of the jokes? Like, I, I, they're they're honestly like not only just the the voiceover narration of of uh, the lead character, the 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 kid, uh, the parents are. The, the father especially, it just, I mean, even beyond just the fragility, uh, but like a major award, like, it, and there's, I mean, I could go on and on and on quoting it, but I, everyone knows why this movie is special. I think it rides that line between being a Christmas classic with, uh, I guess what I say want to say is with an edge, and it captures the dysfunction of family and the holidays, too, in a way, even though it's taking place in a very removed time from what I'm aware of. I mean, it's even before they had a television in their home. He's listening to the Little Orphan Annie radio show. Uh, and as a kid, I'm like, having to listen to radio every night? Really? Uh, where's your TV? But the... <laughs> uh, but the the family is still so relatable, and I I yeah. um I think that was uh, upon my my latest rewatch is kind of what I loved the most about a Christmas story. Yeah, for me, so this was a big family favorite in my house, like huge family favorite. Uh, I mean, years and years and years of not just during Christmas time, 
but our whole family running around the house saying fragile and not a finger and <laughs> not a finger and yeah. uh, uh, meatloaf, meatloaf, double beatloaf. I mean, years of that stuff. But so when I was a kid, you had to catch it. Like we'd see like commercials on like TBS Thursday night at seven, a Christmas story. So we'd be like, okay, we're planning our Thursday. We're gonna go have dinner somewhere. And then we gotta get back home by seven o'clock so we can so we can watch a Christmas story. Like that's how it was. You might catch it two or three times before Christmas if you were lucky. And then TNT started doing the 24 hours of Christmas story every year. Well, we thought it was great at first. Uh-huh. Every Christmas day. As soon as the first person woke up, the TV went on and a Christmas story was just on all day long. Well, after a few years of that. There's only so much a man can take. Yeah. I mean, Lacey wanted to watch it last night. So it's on HBO Max right now. Turn it on. And I mean, I can I can just recite every single line of this movie from memory. <laughs> I've seen it so many times and it's still great. I mean, I'm glad you picked it. Um, I really like you made basically made my decision for me. Like mm-hmm. once you picked it, I said, okay, I'm gonna leave it alone. Okay. Uh I probably would have thrown it on just because it's such a such a family favorite in, in our house, but it's still funny and it does feel like a real family. Um and I love I always loved how Ralphie uh, representing Gene Shepard's true story, and he's the narrator. Um, he has a special moment with each parent. So even yeah. though they're dysfunctional, he has a special moment with his mom when she helps him cover up the fight. And then he yeah. has a special moment with his dad when his, he finds that his dad secretly bought him the rifle. I, I it, Those two things are never not great, on top of it being hilarious. So it had one of us had to pick it. I'm so happy you bring up the thing about the parents. Yes, yes. I, I, my, my heart was like so warmed rewatching that scene when the mom covers up for him and she does it in such a cool, cool way. What I'd love for her to be my mom. Yeah. And he, I mean, he, I have a great mom. No, no. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd love her to be a movie, my movie mom. Well, you know, it's funny. It's like, even though I am burnt out, I, my, 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 my waffling of whether or not to pick it was solely based off of, I'm just, over it but i listened to the the big pictures christmas draft episode and after they were done picking they all brought up chris story and all all three of them were like yeah, i'm not really a fan and i was like what the hell's the matter with you yeah. guys so i'm glad we picked it okay my next pick should come as no surprise and i don't want to hear any groaning from any of you out there it's die hard any of you listening to this who just said out loud that's not a christmas movie you're wrong you're super wrong <laughs> Just really okay, prove wrong. Prove them. Prove them wrong. Christmas. What? Christmas themed. Through the 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 main plot point of the story is that he's in town for a Christmas party and to spend subsequently spend Christmas with his kids who he has not seen. I mean, he kills a guy and sends him down with a Santa hat on that says, "Now I have a machine gun." Ho ho ho! There's a Christmas tree in the, in the in the main room of the building throughout the entire movie. Okay. But even like the music incorporates like sleigh bells, mm. you know, I, like there's choices that are like, this is a Christmas movie. It absolutely is. He straps the gun to his back using Christmas like tape. <laughs> I mean, Christmas ever they're listening to Christmas songs in the limo. Mm. Christmas song plays as the credits are rolling out. I think that one thing, so anytime a Christmas movie in L.A. happens, it's difficult, right? Because L.A. never looks like Christmas. Never looks like Christmas in LA. Mm. There's always palm trees. There's never snow. Die Hard's a Christmas movie. I, I I'm sorry. Like, I'll fight you, everyone, everyone, all at once. 
like John McClain. Now, when you, if you, if you have a kid someday, if you want a kid someday, how old will you make them wait before you introduce this to them at Christmas time? Oh, that's tough. Cause like I used to watch Die Hard with my dad as a kid, but it was on TV. So, okay. I mean, the adult stuff was, was edited out. Um, I didn't realize for a long time that he like says in the microphone, you be kind <laughs> motherfucker. Like I, I didn't see that till after a long time. Cause it was always on TV. It was always on TV. Mm -hmm. And me and my dad would watch it together. But I remember like when people started to have the rumblings about it throughout the years, like, is this a Christmas movie? Is it? Cause you always think an action movie and it came out in the summer, but this is an action movie, right? But it's really hard to argue that it's not a Christmas movie. The whole, the inciting incident is that he's there for Christmas. So yes. Yeah. yeah. There, there, that is a big point in its favor. But I really can't get so. past the music thing. Like the way they use like instruments in the music okay. to give you I'll like the say. shaking of the sleigh bells happens a lot in that movie. Mm. Um, Die Hard's a Christmas movie. I had to pick it. It's, it's the best. So that's that. Chelsea, I think you got one more. Yeah, we are one more. And I know we said we weren't really putting these in a specific order, but I did kind of save this one for last because it, it, it does mean the most to me. And that is uh, the Santa Claus starring Tim Allen. This movie, you know, I love it so much and I needed to actually pull in uh, some extra help to, to explain why this movie is so special. I asked I asked my friend Cassie, uh, who I um, who I lived with for a couple of years, we shared a few Christmases decorating our Christmas tree with this on in the background. I asked her if she could share a few words um, about why why she loves it. And I'll, I'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, and for me, um, why I chose the Santa Claus and why I it will always be a Christmas staple for me is uh, again music. You talk about music in Die Hard. There, this this score is the little twinkle sounds throughout. It just gets you with that like it makes you feel like a kid again with that anticipation before Christmas morning and in expecting Santa. Also, it's great soundtrack. Um, starting off with a, a you know, uh, with when Tim Allen and his son are are driving around in the car and the I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. I'll never I'll never get that out of my head. So I I love it so much that I'm kind of maybe struggling a little bit with my words because I want to make sure I get them right. I'm gonna pull up my the, the notes that Cassie made for me and I'm I'm gonna go through them. Um. She this brought first, it, She brought in a ringer. Yeah, everyone. She wants to make sure this is perfect. <laughs> the 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 first the first paragraph I'm I'm gonna get into, and then I might abbreviate a little, and I'll 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 share a little more. All right. What well, Cassie writes: When I was a child, I remember finding this movie to be incredibly believable. It explained things at a time that I was starting to question the credibility of Santa Claus. For example, how does Santa get into homes without chimneys? He gets sucked in through roof vents and pipes and whatnot. Duh. And it was demonstrated for me using what was at the time realistic special effects, not a cartoon. And I agree with Cassie. I, I think all of those things are what made it as a child so magical and special. Um, but yeah, she just goes on to bring up more examples about the way that they are 
the the overall story, you know, is Tim Allen, because Santa falls from his roof, he becomes the big guy. He accepts the Santa Claus, whether or not, play on words, huh? whether or not he wants to or not. Um, but he then has to, you're dealing with this family drama on top of it, where he and his ex-wife are, you know, shared custody of their son. And their their son is very affected by his father becoming Santa and and the the ex-wife and her husband played by Judge Reinhold Neal uh is uh they're extremely concerned about the safety of their son being with Tim Allen because they think he's slipping into some sort of delusion and i just think the way that they can the the filmmaker was able to play off of the the silliness of that concept but also the real world kind of like uh, uh, cynicism around Santa um, and reminding people what it is about uh, Santa that is so uh, special and enduring. I just think this movie hit the, the nail on the head. Another thing Cassie said, as an adult, I have a whole new appreciation for the movie. Most kids movies have some subtle adult humor, but the Santa Claus did not take many steps to mask the adult jokes. Thanks, Tim Allen. And that again, I think Tim Allen takes the cake for this movie and why I love it so much. I mean, he was at the height of his home improvement fame and was, you know, leaning all in on that uh, side of himself. But God, there's so many great like asides he makes in the movie. Uh, yeah, Cassie says Tim Allen's use of asides, cranky mutterings, quick and brutal comebacks, and physical comedy get me every dang time. So many amazing one-liners. Yes, thank you, Cassie. I agree. I'll leave it at our shared, mine and Cassie's shared favorite line, because when she wrote it out to me, she said, my favorite line in parentheses, girl, you already know. I'm not going to get it because I'm not as funny as Tim Allen, but just go with me. All right, Charlie, the son. They're talking about Neil, his his stepfather. Charlie says, Neil's a really good cook. And Scott, Calvin, played by Tim Allen, says, yeah, and you should see him walk on water. I don't know why that line gets us every time, but uh, I even rewound it again because I stupidly talked over it when I watched it last night with Micah. So... Um, Anyway, another little high thing to note, uh, Cassie and I always laugh about how uh, the the head of the ELFS, the they're kind of like the secret service for Santa in the movie. Uh, the 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 head, uh, the lead like elf in that crew uh, is was a lot of uh, kids, probably like sexual awakening. He, there's a line he says where he says, "We're the good guys," and. I don't know. That's just something. I even talking to Lacey about it, she agreed. There was something that just gave you a little tingly feeling that the uh, easy now, Charles. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna just cut myself off now uh, talking about it. But uh, I think I've gone on enough. Uh, but uh, the Santa Claus, it's on Disney Plus. What are you doing with your life? Put it on. It's great. Like Cassie said, the special effects at the time were amazing. Maybe some of them have not aged. The best and the super hyper techie sleigh is also kind of cheesy. Probably would change that if I could remake the movie. But other than that, pretty perfect. Pretty darn perfect. Uh, Thank you for letting me go on and on. <laughs> I'm trying to remember if I saw this in theaters. I don't know if I, we did or not. But I remember like there used to be this like they'd send you VHSs in the mail in, in like a cardboard packaging where you could see like the the address on on paper through a little hole 
And if you sent it back to them, they just, they took it back. But if you kept it, they charge you. And I got really good at like sliding the paper out of the way so I could see what the movie was. Uh, and one time we got it and I was like, oh, it's the Santa Claus. So all of us were like, mom, can we keep this one? Keep it. So we had it on VHS and we watched it all the time. I mean, definitely an entertaining movie. And I mean, crazy got so popular. They made like what, three of them? Yeah. But what's weird is that they waited like almost 10 years before they made the second um, one. The second one. But then the third one came out like real quick afterwards. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, we watched it a bunch. I haven't seen it in a long time, but you know, super entertaining. Um, one of those Christmas movies I think we'd watch almost year round, but it was, you know, Christmas theme wise, obviously. It it it's it's right up there. Um, two things about the movie always bug me. Uh-oh. So one, he's desperately trying to prove to everyone that he can't help everything that's happening to him. But like at one point in the movie, he shaves and dyes his hair, and then it goes back. Like, just do that in front of people and show them that it's. Oh, okay, yeah. Well, but the maybe, other th- maybe he thought it would freak people out. I don't know, freak me out. The other thing that bugged me as a kid, and as I've grown up, I've seen people make the same complaint about not just this movie but other Christmas movies. Santa Claus is real. The parents don't believe he's real, but he's leaving presents for kids on Christmas Day. The parents never wonder where these presents are coming from. Like that's a that's not just the Santa Claus. That's a plot hole another. But I remember being a kid going, why do they not he got presents from Santa, but they don't believe in Santa. I don't understand. There are other mysteries though that were pretty cool, you gotta admit. I mean, like the thing about the like the, how the chimney opened up for people that don't have a chimney sure. the fireplace. No, no, no. Yeah, All that stuff yeah. is really cool. How they they showed how he does it and oh, it's a super fun movie. It really is. And he, Tim Allen's funny and um the way it ends is really, really nice. It does. Uh, it's a, it's a oh, Christmas classic. Yeah, it kind of brings a little tear to your eye when he drops, you know, he Neil gets his weenie whistle finally. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. Um, yeah. Well. No, good pick. Good pick. Uh, okay, my last pick's a little boring, but I, I felt compelled. Uh, I just picked A Christmas Carol. I, I think it's an incredibly important story uh, with themes that are still relevant today. You know, of course, the themes of capitalism and the bourgeoisie need to be taken down and that means we have to torture all these rich people to make them change their ways chelsea (laughs) no not really um no the caring about others treating people don't forget where you came from don't forget what's important Uh, the ghost of christmas present talking to him about ignorance Mm -hmm. um i try to watch christmas carol every year and there's so many different versions i try to watch a different one uh the two i want to bring up is the 1951 version which is often considered the best one uh, starring Alistair Sim as, as Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, but I also really like last year we watched the 1984 version with George C. Scott as I Scrooge. I watched that this week. It's on Hulu. It's really good. Yeah. They, do, do, they do a good job of like like I, when he's heading home at the beginning and he looks down the alleyway like it's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also, his delivery, I love when he's talking to um, um, his old partner and he's, when he's giving the warning and he's like kind of like well, you're doing all right. I'll be all right too, right? <laughs> I know. But uh, Edward Woodward's also in it, playing the Ghost of Christmas Present. I really like that version. But uh, I think my dad would always watch it, and I was like, "This is boring." But as an adult, you realize how important the story is. Um, it is a, it's a very just classic. I mean, it's a classic for a reason. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I, I encourage everyone, if you haven't watched a Christmas Carol in a while, pick one. This year, even if it's like the Jim Carrey animated one or if it's, <laughs> you know, the Muppets Christmas Carol, whatever, Muppets. just watch one of them. 
it's great. You know, I think you'll appreciate it more as an adult, but it's just an important story to to kind of take in every year, I think. Yeah. The one I'm most familiar with is the Mickey's Christmas Carol that was animated and Scrooge McDuck played Ebenezer. (laughs) Um, But uh, I'm really happy you mentioned this to me and I had a chance to watch the George George C. Scott one because I got a different appreciation for it because of it. And it it is a little darker and scarier, obviously, than the Mickey one. (laughs) Well, I remember like there are parts of the Disney one that I remember when uh, Scrooge sees Marley's face on the door knocker. Uh It's goofy, remember, right? Yeah, I remember being <laughs> creeped out as a uh-huh. kid. I was like, ugh. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's the thing. It can be well done. It's like I think the Patrick Stewart one's okay. I know Guy Ritchie did one like last year for FX, which um, I heard was okay. But you've got to balance the dark aspects with the warm-hearted aspects. You have to do the crap. Cr- uh, the uh, I can't talk Bob Cratchit's family the right way. <laughs> Because sometimes people do Tiny Tim, and I'm like, okay, you're patronizing me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but uh, the ca- whoever you cast, Bob Cratchit casting is probably the second most important casting after Scrooge. That's true. He can't be too syrupy, sweet. He needs to have, I think he needs to challenge Ebenezer in the right way. Yeah. yeah. So Christmas Carol, obvious pick, but near and dear to me. And uh, I'm, I, will, I will be taking one version in at some point this week. It's a really good one, I think, to end on. Yes. So before we go, we'll 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 uh pick some honorable mentions here because I'm sure some of you are like, what the hell? Uh I didn't pick Nightmare for Christmas because I definitely consider that more of a Halloween movie. Yeah. Yeah. I I didn't pick uh White Christmas, even though it was really it was up there. Um I I I love that soundtrack and I think I it's one of those movies that I love the first half more than the second half too to it but um white christmas is another honorable mention the snowman as well which was a tv special but i don't know if yours oh yeah with that of That's, course yeah yeah i've seen it, it used to come pbs every year mm-hmm. and um i always appreciated it but it wasn't something that i was like i'm gonna watch it i did the song was always so depressing to me and the ending is depressing mm-hmm. So that's the thing. I did, it's a mood piece for sure. Yeah. I mean, I want good vibes of Christmas stuff. <laughs> Only good vibes. And the snowman is really depressing, uh, but beautiful. It is very beautiful. It won an Oscar, didn't it? I don't know about that. It may have won like um a Brit like a BAFTA or something. Uh, like because I think it was first aired on the BBC or oh, something. Okay. It won a lot yeah. of awards. I know yeah. that. We'll have to look that up after we're done. Uh neither one of us picked it's a wonderful life. Yeah, no, but but total excellent movie. Yeah, Yeah. just I don't know. I don't I don't seek it out every year, but all time great film. Um, There was some that I also like gave a shot to because I haven't seen them in a long time. Like The Apartment, I haven't seen since I was really young, and it was on. You know, my parents would have it on. Um, People consider a Christmas movie. I didn't really get the Christmas vibes. Also, it's pretty dark. Mm. (laughs) Feels like suicide and stuff. But Jack Lemmon's always hilarious. Uh, I also watched Carol. Because, I mean, at this point, I think I'd watch Kate Blanchett put on an Elmo costume and sing the ABCs. She's she's incredible. Decent movie. Won't, not enough won't Christmas. Won't be one of your Christmas no. classics, yeah. Neither one of us picked Elf. Oh, yeah, but we talked about this, and I think it's just starts off so strong, but kind of peters off. Yeah, I'm not a huge Elf fan. Yeah. The first half is, is really funny, and then I just get bored. Mm-hmm. But uh, respect res- to Will Ferrell and that character. Because it is uh, funny. Yeah, it's really funny. Uh, neither one was picked Home Alone. I didn't pick it because it was such a year-round movie to me. Mm. And I just didn't watch it a lot as a kid. So it, it's kind of one I forget about until it's on. And I'm like, oh, no, this is great. But yeah. yeah. Well, um, we watched it a lot. Yeah. We had it on VHS. But 
we had it on all the time. It wasn't just Christmas. And then neither one of us picked National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Oh, Meh. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Chevy Clark, Chase is not funny. Clark Griswold kind of grinds my gears sometimes, yeah. but that's my own issue. I just got to say, I never got it. I never got it with Chevy Chase. I never, I never got it. I, I he's not funny. But uh, Randy Quaid's great. Oh yeah, the it. other yeah, people yeah. in the other people in the movie are good. It's an enjoyable Christmas movie. But I didn't grow up watching it. Mm. I think most of the people that like it's like their Christmas movie. It's because they grew up watching it, and I just didn't. Mm. And Chevy Chase is not funny. <laughs> anyway, so that's gonna do it. Uh, I didn't think about recommendations. Do you have one, Chelsea? I uh, maybe. It was kind of going to be more of like a very like personal shout out to um, that may not always be an obvious Christmas choice. But if I can kind of swing it this way while you're maybe thinking, I'll, of course. I'll, go, I'll go out and say, um, I mean, it doesn't really need my ranking. Everyone knows The Sound of Music, but I did just want to say The Sound of Music always makes me think think of my papa at Christmas time. Um, I know it was one of his favorites. He liked to watch around the holidays. I think, I think ABC must have aired it as, um, a movie on TV. And, and that's why I remember it so much around that time of year. But, um, I just wanted to say, I love you, Papa. And, uh, he actually ha sadly did pass away a few days before Christmas. This was now uh, like over 10 years ago, but, um, but he was, we called him Homie Claus. That was kind of his nickname around uh, the holidays. And yeah, I just am, I'm thinking about him. I'm missing him. And I love you. And uh, thinking thinking about you, Papa. And thinking, and I'll, I'll watch The Sound of Music in your honor around Christmas this year. Well, that was really sweet. Um, I don't have anything that heartfelt. <laughs> That's okay. Sorry. I know I kind of threw this at you no, at the last second. I, I should have had something more prepared. I'll tell you what. I just pulled my recommendation list that I keep going, my running list. Uh, I'm going to pick a simple plan because everything's covered in snow for the entire movie. It's not a Christmas movie, though. Uh, it stars Bill Paxton, Billy Bob Thornton, and Bridget Fonda. Uh, some people, everyday normal people living in a small town in a rural area, come across a big bag of illegal money. And they spend the entire money trying to hide the fact that they have this money from everything and nothing goes right. Um it's a good movie. I, I enjoyed it. It's not like a, it's not like a life changer, but uh, if you want to be entertained, see a, a complicated thriller with uh, uh, that develops in ways you probably don't expect. Uh, definitely recommend a simple plan. R.I.P. to Bill Paxton. Cool. I like that. You cut through with a, a nice thriller to to cut through all the the sugary Christmas picks we made. Well, that is going to do it. We really appreciate everyone that's listened to us this year. This is our first year doing the podcast. I just kind of realized that, you know, that the year is coming to an end. Um, if you have been listening, we truly, with all sincerity, we appreciate it very much. We're doing this for fun no matter what. But if you're listening to it, if you're listening to us babble on about these goddamn movies, then bless you. No, really. That like Spencer shared a few messages with me that he's received from random people online that have found us through one way or another and really it really blew me away. I'm I'm very uh touched that um that people that don't even know us like are are finding us in and I don't know, it's making an impact on them in even just some, some small little way. I'm like, wow, uh, pinch me. That's very, very cool. And thank you all so much to our friends and family who have supported us through this year and getting this going. And um, thank you to all the new listeners, too. And happy holidays. 
Uh, so as always, if you are enjoying the show, we are on Twitter at the Marquee Spot LT. Uh, we are on Instagram at the Marquee Spotlight. Uh, we have a Gmail. You can send us your thoughts or uh, things you want to hear us talk about. The Marquee Spotlight at gmail.com. And if you're enjoying the show, please like, share, write a review, tell all your friends, or do whatever you want. You're an adult. There you go. Uh, we're going to have one more for you before the year's up. There's a new Matrix movie coming out for some reason. Uh, yeah. And we're going to see that and just talk about the history of the Matrix. Uh, so it'll j- basically just be a movie review episode where we talk about all the Matrix movies to close out 2021. Uh, but until then, happy holidays, everyone. Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah or whatever, whatever you celebrate. Uh, we will see you in a couple weeks and then we will see you a bunch of times in 2022. So for the Marquee Spotlight, I am Spencer Bailey. I'm Chelsea Burnett. We'll see you. Thanks for listening. The Marquee Spotlight is recorded in Portland with music composed and produced by Josh Colopy and cover art created by Taylor Engel. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates on new episodes. And if you like the show, please write a review and share with others.